It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mack rocks the baby back and forth. Goes to work on a pick to the right from Hayward. Goes all the way to the window, floats it over. Chandler scores! Shelvin Mack! You are locked on jazz. Your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 16th of May. Further discussion about the upcoming free agency market. Gordon Hayward anxiety. And then we look at Shelvin Mack and Howell Neto and their seasons. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Hope you're great today. Thanks for tuning in in the off season. Super appreciate it. Our audience is actually usually a little bit bigger in the off season sometimes because that's where you know you can get your jazz news. So I appreciate you staying with us and tuning in. If you're new at the end of the season, we do do this every single day, uh, Monday through Friday. And uh, I'll break down the schedule for you coming up. I, I was looking at it. I think we'll stay every day uh, until the middle of July and maybe late July and then take a little bit of time in August, July and August before uh, clicking back in in September and full throttle in October. It's, the month extra season makes it fast. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, the good people at 4646 South State Street, and by SeatGeek with the promo code L-O Jazz, you get a $20 rebate. All right, I laid out what I thought we'd do on the program right there in the open, so let's jump to it. Uh, Gordon Hayward anxiety. Boston wins last night. Uh, I think that adds to it. Boston obviously seems to be the, the biggest suitor involved here. Uh, I, and I, and I will agree with you, uh, that I have it as well. I frankly, uh, Rolled over like 222 and thinking about it, as crazy as that is, just completely nuts that it, in the middle of the night on a, uh, that I thought about it too. So there's just no, there's no doubt, uh, that that, you know, that this exists. Boston has the salary structure in a unique fashion to be able to, to do some things largely because Isaiah Thomas, uh, is a $6 million player right now, and he's a $6 million player next year, and he is not eligible, even if he makes the All-NBA team, for designated player exception because of the fact that uh, he's on his third team. So he will be, um, you know, actually everything Boston's ever done has been designed that they thought they were going to trade Isaiah. How they're going to do that now, um, I have no idea, uh, frankly. Uh and if, you know, his max numbers, I'd have to go look at them. But if you just kind of start ballparking him as a max player, Boston gets interesting because in the 2018-19 season, with just Horford, Isaiah at a max, Jay Crowder, Jalen Brown, uh, Marcus Smart on a uh, would be on his extension, so he would be at a bigger number. Uh 
Terry Rozier, I mean, only about seven, and Gordon Hayward, they'd be at 117 million. Uh, without without Avery Bradley re-signing after next season, uh, without Kelly Olynyk re-signing after this season, and the luxury tax is 124. So, you know, Boston's got all these these visions of grandeur, and in the 17-18 season, they can do most of their visions of grandeur because of they would they might have a hard time getting you know figuring out what they're going to do with Kelly Olynyk would be. Maybe the one if they sign Gordon, but even then they probably can get a Linux back. But they it, they end up against the uh, if they're going to go give resign Isaiah, who has to be close to a max player. Uh, that issue, I, I wouldn't want to be the star that has to replace Isaiah Thomas in Boston right now, and I wouldn't want to be the star the kid drafted that replaces Isaiah Thomas either. The other one, by the way, is because they have this early draft pick. You know, guys like Jalen Brown suddenly are four or five million dollars of cap space very quickly when they're the top three picks. So their their new picks going to be six seven million dollars on the cap. It doesn't mean they can't sign Gordon. Don't misunderstand. But there are ramifications to it. Uh, so and and they'll and they you know Gordon's great. So there's no reason they wouldn't go after it. But there are ramifications to it. Uh, just make sure you you know Boston's not. It's not like just they are the one team that has carte blanche to go do these things. It, I start playing around with their 2018-19, and that's two years down the road. But they have to look at it. If they re-sign Isaiah and they've signed Hayward and they have Horford at all at max deals, you know that's ninety million dollars between the three of them. The salary cap's one hundred and two, and the luxury tax is one hundred and twenty-four. They they walk up against it pretty fast. Also, doesn't mean you shouldn't have the anxiety. Just what's interesting about Boston is. We talk about how the Jazz are going to be able to hold it together. Boston gets it coming to him in 2018-19, and Isaiah's the one who's really the issue. And he's great right now. I mean, he's really – I said this yesterday with Hans and Scotty. He's having a year that, to me, is uh, – he's every bit Allen Iverson at 30 points a game. And uh, when you look at Allen Iverson – and he's more efficient than Allen Iverson was. That That's who Isaiah Thomas has become. Allen Iverson was not a great defensive player either, and so – you know that's that's truly where we are and who he's become, and so that's a hard one to go get rid of. No, no, woo, no ifs, ands, or buts. All right. Uh, so the Hayward anxiety is um, is real. Another free agent note. Now, what's going to happen on the program is I'm just going to give you guys these as they come to me as I talk around the league and talk to people and things like that. I alluded to this yesterday on the program. It's really a big issue about free agency this year. I, I, the Number one is I keep hearing there's 25% less money on the market than there was a year ago. Maybe Eric Pincus or someone who's smarter than me can put that together and really figure out if it's true. But that that's what I kind of continually am hearing, that there's 25% less money on the market than there was, uh, than there was last year. So... Uh, with that understanding, the uh, the chances now if Kai I brought up the scenario yesterday if Kyle Lowry leaves Toronto and this no I'm I'm making these numbers up we suddenly go to about thirty percent less money and if Drew Holiday leaves and Kyle Lowry leaves we suddenly go to like forty percent less money on the market because both those two teams in Toronto and New Orleans. If if they leave uh, their teams, Toronto and New Orleans don't have the cap space to replace them. And so, therefore, 
as you start to try to piece this thing together, what ends up happening is the money starts to disappear and disappear even more because those teams, it's not like they go replace some guys. You know, that it's not, it doesn't impact Gordon. He's the mark, one of the marquee free agents. It, it may impact George Hill a little bit. Uh, though I still, and if you start to think about this one, if the Jazz go make a move prior to July 1st to go get somebody instead of George Hill to secure that position so the recruiting of Gordon Hayward's easier, well, then the market even gets slimmer because now George isn't got the op, doesn't have the option to come back to his own team. It gets interesting. Uh, George will be particularly interesting in the regards of what he turned out. And then his injury didn't get better. Now teams are worried about it. Teams are wondering whether Indiana hit it um, and things of that sort. And so we'll see what happens and how that plays. Uh, Boston, Toronto, I'll get to in, in, in the back end of this is my 60 dB uh, national look of the day. Uh, today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek, the uh, number one ticket app around uh, as for anything. Whether it's a sporting event, a concert, theater production. Uh, frankly, our family, I think I've told you this before, we're monitoring Hamilton pretty closely across the country to figure out if we can get our daughter there. We're watching watching the ticket prices on SeatGeek. SeatGeek's an app. You just download it to your phone. Then the minute you get it, go to the Settings tab and enter in the promo code LOJAZZ. That's LOJAZZ. And once you purchase your first event, you'll get $25, uh, excuse me, $20 $20, $20, not 20 I think I just gave a $20 uh, check back, just $20 check back. I mean, for example, if you're looking at going to Manchester United versus Real Salt Lake, you can do it there. Tim McGraw versus Faith Hill, Lady Gaga coming to town, uh, even some of the uh, Def Leppard, Poison, and Tesla, Billy Joel coming to Salt Lake in November. Uh, I get to look at all these things and just know when I'm not going to be home if they're uh, – I didn't know Jason Mraz was coming to Salt Lake. I like Jason Mraz. Uh, June 20th, you can go th- – those are available on SeatGeek. So you go check it out. Then each – time you do it, it will give you a ticket score to all the tickets that are available uh, for you, depending now, Red Buttes, uh, where Jason Mraz is, and those are um, GA, so they can't do it, but if you go look at, you know, one of the seats at at, at Vivint Smart Home Arena or at uh, the soccer stadium, you'll be able to check it out, and Rio Tinto, sorry, I couldn't remember the sponsor, I think that's still right, uh, you'll be able to check it out and see uh, what that, di- you know, what those tickets are, what the best purchase price is, and then you just get it. It's secure, it's safe, and it's on your phone. So go to SeatGeek and download the SeatGeek app and uh, put price alerts down for you as well. All right, uh, let's do a little Shelvin Mack look. Shelvin Mack, and and each of these players, I'm kind of doing the same thing. I'm going to do a summary, and then I'm going to walk down uh, some analytics on them and then talk about their future. That's the model. So the summary for me on Shelvin Mack is that Shelvin Mack – got pushed beyond his natural skill set, handled it like a pro, drew an unnecessary ire of the fan base, and continues to be a solid veteran backup in the NBA. Uh, That would be my kind of summary of Mac. The surprise thing to me on Shelvin this year that really, really kind of stunned me was when he had to start those games and play that stretch of games, uh, when George Hill was out in the middle of the year, he was re- I thought he was really, really good. Uh, I, I was super impressed by how he handled it and, and how he, um, he started, I think, six of eight games. And then 
George Hill came back in January, and he just, like, fell off the map. Uh, both his game, he went 2 of 13 in his next four games, and then he got knocked out of the rotation. They came back and went 0 for 3, and then he played four games limited, and he went 2 for 7, and all of a sudden there was a stretch of time where he was just out of it. Went to the trade deadline. I think he thought he was going to get traded, didn't get traded because he thought he was going to get an opportunity to play somewhere, and then just sat forever until he came back around and suddenly became you know, an important guy in the playoffs with George out playing 30 minutes a game in two of the last three games and playing quite a bit down the stretch. You know, Shelvin Mack at this point is a 27-year-old veteran guard who's had almost every circumstance. He's been a third-string, second-string starter. He's uh, played in a lot of playoff games. He's he's highly desirable, frankly, as a backup point guard in this market despite some of his uh, some of his weaknesses and and might be a player the Jazz are interested in because particularly the Jazz have his bird rights so they can kind of pay him whatever they think. I can't imagine the middle class is going to disappear in this league. So Shelvin earned 2.4 last year. I, I can't imagine he'll be much more than that, but I also would be surprised if Shelvin, and I just got into his future, if Shelvin would be a um, free agent invite. I think he'll he'll get a contract. I, I think somebody, you know, he's solid. People will... We'll try to take advantage of that. Uh, let's look at Shelvin's numbers and digest a little bit of who he is, and, I'll, and maybe you'll see that he's solid, or maybe you'll decide that I'm wrong on that. Uh, from a uh, uh, pack rating, Shelvin is a minus .5, so he's a below-average offensive player. <clears throat> he only goes to the free throw line 7% of his possessions. He only shoots the three twenty three, so he's, really, he's an inefficient mid-range um, offensive player. Uh and uh, offensively, he the one thing he does very, very well is he plays just an incessant amount of basketball, particularly pick up in the offseason, and that's the frustration of him at times, but it's also his strengths. He can just beat guys uh, one-on-one, and he's got a decent dribble drive game, and when he gets to that right side floater, that became a very viable play uh, for him this year. Uh, go away from the play – in the playoffs, it disappeared. That's what was so interesting is that teams kind of understood who he was and how he wanted to play and wouldn't let him get to that shot. He only hit one of them uh, the entire postseason. After in the regular season, he ha- he was just tremendous. If you go to his regular season numbers, that that little right side shot, uh, I think, hit in about 54% of the time, which is a highly efficient shot for regardless of whether or not on the right side, uh, push shot last, this year, he was 22 of 41. On the left side, he was 4 of 12. In the regular season, he was able to get away with not taking that shot. And in the postseason, teams forced him left, knew that weakness. He's a flawed player in the sense that he has weaknesses that teams can try to dig into in the playoffs. He's... Um, but he's pretty, you know, but he's a solid, you know what you're going to get. He's not a great shooter. He's never been a great career shooter. He's a 31% three-point shooter this year. He's 32% for his career. He's a 43% field goal percentage guy. What he is is he's physical. He's half de- He's pretty decent defensively, and he's got ability to break you down um, a little bit overall. Nothing super. He's a second or third guard who at times this year we asked to be a starting guard, and that was more than, you know, his game naturally uh, was able to handle. From an um, on-floor, off-floor standpoint, the second half of the season, um, he was a bit better than he was in the first half of the season. In the first half of the season, we were very reliant on having uh, 
George Hill on the floor in the second half of the season uh, when Shelvin, the rare time Shelvin played, his, his on-court, off-court wasn't as uh, much of a struggle as it was before. Uh, his season... Uh, let me, sorry, i got to go back up over here. Um, as I mentioned, 48% from 8 to 16 feet, 54% on the right side, really good. The corner three is really a problem for Shelvin. He was 8 of 30 on corner threes, 27% in the right corner. He was only 4 of 19. He does not have a catch-and-shoot game if he's guarded. These are just, you know, but he's also now played in 30-some-odd playoff games. So, I mean, Shelvin, we probably, I probably don't need to do dig in much more. He, he is a backup third guard who is a veteran, who's been around for a long time, coach – does what coaches want, has an ability to beat you off guys off the dribble when the offense breaks down, which is a, which is a strength, and he uh, is, but otherwise is, um, you know, he's limited by his lack of shooting, uh, and he's not a, an elite athlete. Uh, future for him, I think he will be a NBA player again next year. I think he will sign somewhere. I don't think it's out of the question that he that Utah would will talk to him and see what his interest is uh in Utah uh and I think his marketplace will be probably near the minimum salary but he will be guaranteed heading into the um off season. All right, um the uh let's go to Howell Neto who is just everybody's favorite including my own. Before we do that, let me tell you about Murdoch Hyundai. Murdoch Hyundai is located at 4646 South State Street. It's been a pleasure for me to get to know the Murdochs. Uh, Blake runs the Murdoch Hyundai show, store. I've gotten okay. I've gotten to know some of the other kid guys. They're not kids. They're adults. Uh, as well in the Murdoch family as, as they run the, this wonderful family organization. And then I've been driving the Hyundai Santa Fe for quite some time now and really, really uh, impressed by by what I've experienced. One, what you get for the money is unequaled. This is for you to decide. I'm not going to tell you how you're going to spend $30,000 or actually a little less because they have mayhem going on right now. I'll tell you about mayhem in a second. But I would tell you, if you're looking at the Acura MDX, if you're looking at the Toyota RAV4, if you're looking at uh, the Honda Passport, if you're looking at, then you should include the Hyundai Santa Fe in your and look at what you get for your money. Drive it. See if you like how it drives and, and feel comfortable with it. But you should include Hyundai, which is a brand that I, until I started driving it, didn't have a lot of knowledge of and didn't, frankly, know much about. Uh, they give you a 10-year, 100,000-mile uh, Hyundai Assurance Guarantee, which is pretty awesome. Tells you what they what they think of their own product. If you're looking at a Honda Accord or a Toyota Camry or you know one of those Look at the Sonata. With what's going on right now at Murdoch is the mayhem. And it's cute, I know. Mayhem, it's cute. Uh, but they're doing 25% off. Like, I've never heard of anything like it. 25% off a car. That's So you go to the, the pricing right now, and you show up. They're going to give you 25% off the vehicle at Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street. All right, let's go to Howell Neto. Neto's interesting. He's under uh, – summary on Neto, uh, I would say, is um, a difficult tran- – my summary on it would be a difficult transition season after playing uh, a tremendous amount in his rookie season as an overmatched starting point guard. He ended up seeing few minutes – yet maintained awesome professionalism, uh, though it hurt his game to play so little. Uh, that would be my summary 
on Neto. Remember, Neto, as a 23-year-old rookie out of playing uh, in Europe and growing up in Brazil, was the best three-point shooting rookie in the in the <clears throat> around. He went shot 39.5%. He played 19 minutes a night. He started 53 games. And then last year, he went from playing 1,500 minutes to playing 350. I mean, that's he really was the forgotten man on this roster. And yet, uh, and I think he admitted it was really frustrating, and yet he maintained everything you'd think out of this guy. He practiced hard every day. Coach had incredible confidence in him. Went to him with some regularity. The trouble for Howell is he's just six foot one, and it's you know it's a there's nothing he can do about that. Uh, but it's it's the unfortunate reality for him. He's six foot one, and you can as much as he's fighting and battling, you can see when he's undersized um, defensively. The big thing that happened to him this year is that his shot with was not as solid as it was the year before. Um, the corner three issue that seemed to Absolutely hurt everybody but <clears throat> George Hill and our point guard. He was one of ten on corner threes. Um, he was good on the angle up, but he took so few shots, played so little. I there's you know I can't there's not a lot of analysis, <clears throat> excuse me, to give about Howell here when you just consider how little he played. Uh, he took you know thirty one threes and ninety one shots all season long, and was better at home than on the road. His road numbers struggled, but they're such a small sample size. There, there's the the question on on Howell is is he ever going to be more than a third point guard in the NBA? He's back next year. He's under contract. I would expect that he's back, um, <clears throat> in the sense that most of all is that he's cheap and it's a great contract for the Jazz to have him under next year. He's at about one point four million. Uh, I, it, there's no early termination on it. Uh, 1.4 million is you know 1% of your cap. He's going to give you a heck of a lot more value than 1%. Uh, he's super to have around. I think the Jazz are probably comfortable with him. If he if you know you re-sign George Hill at a big number, then you need your backup point guard to be earning a million slow you know low numbers, and then you're probably moving Dante over to playing combo numbers minutes. If you sign a if you trade for a kind of a one-two point guard who, who can score and uh, play, uh, and I'll I have a name I'll address tomorrow on the program, uh, you probably Dante's suddenly playing a lot of those kind of minutes as a one-two hybrid with that player as another ball handler, and so you can, you know, you can, and then Neto is your third point guard or second point guard. Uh, you may draft a point guard here in the upcoming draft in either the first or second round, and then that's your third point guard. The new CBA rules may mean you take somebody like Aaron Kraft and bring Aaron Kraft back from Europe and have him play in on your D-League team but with the movement. And so if you get an injury, you just feel comfortable enough to play him. We do on the rights to Aaron Kraft. So I would suspect that Neto's back, and I would suspect he has a larger role on the team next year. That is Locked on Jazz. Tomorrow we will look at Rodney Hood. Uh, on the program, and then Thursday we'll take Facebook Live and look at Dante Exum and uh, continue to take uh, any thoughts for you. We'll look at the market and the deals as those things all go on. Now it's time for my 60DB national look for Locked on NBA on 60DB. Today's show, by the way, was brought to you by SeatGeek. Promo code is LOJAZZ, as well as... Uh, by my friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, 25% off all cars at Murdoch Hyundai. It's an incredible deal. Go check it out.
Hi, it's David Locke of Locked On NBA Podcast for 60DB with your national NBA look. Today is the draft lottery. That will get a lot of spots for it, and it could be an incredible two-day sequence for the Boston Celtics who have a chance to win the draft lottery because of a trade they made five years ago rebuilding the team that moved Brook- in which they fleeced the Brooklyn Nets, a deal that sent Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett over to Boston or to Brooklyn, never materialized for Brooklyn. Boston, in turn, got a plethora of draft picks, and it will include the pick of Brooklyn this year in this. Sacramento has some interesting things taking place, as do the Lakers. The Lakers have the most on the line of anyone in this draft lottery today. If the Lakers do not end up in the top three picks, they lose their pick to Philadelphia and in addition, they lose their 2019 pick to Orlando just because of a trigger that that kicks in. So the Lakers are going to be the most nervous team at the draft lottery. If they fall out of the top three, they lose their pick. They are a terrible team right now in the midst of a major franchise rebuild that falls apart badly if they lose this draft pick. Sacramento's got some things where if New Orleans pops into the top, they lose that pick. And Sacramento, if they fall, uh, if they flip in front of Philadelphia, could flip their pick with Philadelphia. So there's a lot of moving pieces. What shows up on the board won't always be who it actually is. Boston's actually Brooklyn. Lakers are only the Lakers if they're in the top three. Otherwise, Philadelphia could be the huge winner. The big win for Philadelphia is if they flip into the top three, pushing the Lakers out, they would end up with a Lakers pick at four and their own pick in the top three, and Sam Hinkie's process would work. On the court last night, the Boston Celtics advanced. Al Horford had a fabulous third quarter. Washington overextended defensively to try to take away Isaiah Thomas, who is having a – the best way to describe the year Isaiah Thomas is having is that he's Allen Iverson in his heyday. He's every bit as good as Iverson was. He's dominating games in that fashion, and they took Thomas away. The old adage, don't let the best player beat you, but when you extend two guys out on the floor at 35 feet in this day and age of the NBA, it just doesn't work, and they got beat – Kelly Olenek ended up having the mammoth game, 26 points. Al Horford, the big free agent signing the Celtics of the offseason, was awesome in the third quarter. From a critical standpoint, worth talking about Washington Wizards point guard John Wall. The Wizards were in control of this game in the third quarter, and Wall started to argue with every single call late in the third quarter. And from that moment on, he and his team fell apart. John Wall is one of the great talents of the NBA, former number one pick out of Kentucky, verging on an all-NBA selection at times. But until he deals with two flaws in his game, he will never have his team advancing any further than they just went in this year. Number one is the constant complaining and whining to the officials. His team was ahead uh, in when this suddenly started, and he started to just absolutely start complaining, and when things went wrong, he un- came undone. And when he came undone, his entire team came undone. They were up by five with the basketball in the third quarter, and he proceeded to miss his final 11 shots. One, because I think his focus was gone, and two, because of the other flaw in his game, which is his complete inability to shoot. John Wall has got to become a better shooter. If John Wall is going to become a all-NBA marquee player at the level that people discuss him regularly. It's going to be based on his ability to eventually one day develop a jump shot. Has it improved? They say it has, yes. But when it mattered yesterday, he was not able to hit the shots or even be, frankly, a threat with the jump shot. If you were a Celtic fan watching that game, you were pleased. John Wall 
They say he's improved the shot, but the data is that in when he was 22 years old, he had 37% of his mid-range shots, the next year 37, the next year 39, the next year 36, the next year 39. He's a 36% mid-range shooter. That's not good enough. He's a 32% three-point shooter. That's not good enough. And when he gets to the rim, he's terrific. But here's a really disconcerting note on John Wall. In the last four years, he's gone from 67% at the rim to 62% at the rim to 60 at the rim to 59. A slow and subtle decline of shooting at the rim. And while he went way up this year under Scott Brooks in his percentage of shots at the rim, which is why he had such a fabulous year, as his speed begins to slow down and he begins to get older, if he doesn't learn that jump shot, he falls off the cliff much faster than other players. That is your 60DB NBA look from Locked on NBA. I'm David Locke. You can follow me on Twitter at Locked on NBA and catch all of the Locked on podcasts here at 60DB or on your podcatcher. All right, have a great day, everybody. That is Locked On Jazz with the extra little bonus. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.